You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Shakespeare to Schwartz, from Fosse to Alvin Ailey, from Sondheim to Borellis, from McNally to Fay, it happened to the greats, it still happens every day. When lightning strikes, it's the moment you know. When lightning strikes, where you're meant to go, you can stand and shout your Hi, this is Gerald Brunner, and you're listening to When Lightning Strikes, where we talk about the tingly, heart-stopping, mic-drop moments that led you to becoming an artist. Mandy Gonzalez is an OB and Drama Desk winning singer, actress, and author. She is so ferociously talented and has such a fierce belt that she was nicknamed The Beast. Mandy stars on Broadway in Hamilton as Angelica Schuyler and also originated the role of Lila Rosario in the Tony-winning Broadway musical In the Heights. Mandy played Elphaba in the Broadway production of Wicked and is also a Warner Music artist and released her chart-topping debut album, Fearless. She can also be seen as Lucy Knox in Madam Secretary. Mandy is the proud founder of Hashtag Fearless Squad, a social media movement for inclusiveness and positivity, which connects millions of people around the world. This month, she released her first children's book, Fearless, about 12-year-old Monica Garcia, who goes to New York City with her grandmother, to pursue her Broadway dream. Mandy, it is so wonderful to have you here. How are you? I'm doing great. It's yeah, it's it's wonderful to be back and to to be talking to you. So I'm thrilled to be here. Well, let's talk about your lightning strikes moment when you knew you had to be an artist or or was it several moments? Oh, gosh, I think it continues to strike um, because (laughs) it all it all kind of started for me when I was a kid, you know, and I'm the youngest of three. And both of my parents worked full time and I was very lucky on the weekends and during the week to be babysat by my my bubby. And she would listen to Broadway cast albums with me and watch old movie musicals. And really, I was the only grandchild that liked them (laughs) and would sing back with her. And she immediately, I think, saw that I had a love of music and I had a talent. 
and I don't come from a showbiz family. And so definitely lightning struck her at that moment because she was like, she just went into the paper, you know, I'm from California. She went into the paper in Los Angeles and just looked for opportunities for me to perform. And we had uh, this place called the Showboat Dinner Theater that was uh, down the street from her house in Tarzana, California. And you could go and you could uh, eat like a buffet uh, lunch and see a show. So I remember going with her very often to the Showboat Dinner Theater uh, with my brother, who also had to tag along for everything. And uh, they had all-you-can-eat pickles at the Showboat Dinner Theater, and we both love pickles. So my brother was like, okay, I'll go. And I mean, he didn't have a choice. So we saw Man of La Mancha, and the woman that played Aldonza, Susan, became my first singing teacher because my grandma went up to her afterwards and said, you know, my granddaughter has a talent. Uh, do you teach singing lessons? Will you teach her? And uh, she said, yes. And so my grandma would drive me every week uh, for singing lessons. And that's where my journey began. But it was that moment of having somebody that loves you um, and is like your first teacher uh, encourage you. So it was that first moment of encouragement where I thought like, oh, I get a lot of attention doing this and I love doing this and um, I just want to do it all the time. And so I, I felt very lucky to have that first lightning strike um, be one that was with my grandma. That's so beautiful how your grandma was such a fearless warrior for Absolutely. you. Talking about fearless. Yes. Did she just call, went up to this Always. lady? You know, and my whole childhood. My whole childhood was about... How, how do I get my daughter, how do I get my granddaughter to perform? And, you know, my mom didn't like going to a lot of the lessons because, um, you know, my brother did sports and things like that. So, and she didn't like having to wait in the waiting room because a lot of the parents do a lot of bragging and, and things like that. And my parents are both very quiet and it used to bother her. And so she told my grandma, my grandma's like, well, I'll go. I don't care. And my grandma, you know, she couldn't hear them anyway. So my grandma would go and, uh, and find these, these places for me to perform. And, you know, one of those places was her, um, were my grandparents living room, you know, like Mandy perform. Like if we, my grandma, um, her family was from Poland. Uh, my grandfather's family was from Romania and all of the, her parents came over, um, I guess, like in the early 1900s. And so my grandmother was born in the States and um, she was born in St. Louis and they grew up in this small apartment and everybody was musical. Everybody could play a musical instrument. Uh, my grandma was the one that sang and danced. So at when we had get togethers at my grandparents' house, all of her brothers and sisters would come and my grandma would just say, Mandy, sing, like get up and sing. And so I would. And uh, it it really provided me with just just a love of uh, of this craft and made me just want to keep doing it all the time. It's so extraordinary. Do you remember one of the first times you performed on a stage outside of your? (laughs) I do. It was at that showboat dinner theater. I played Bielka in Fiddler on on the Roof. And I remember um, 
and who does mama teach? Like doing that part. Um, And my grandparents sitting at one of the tables and looking at them. So obviously I wasn't in the moment. I was just like living my life, kind of looking at them going, isn't this great? Like I'm in a show. But uh, that's how it started for me at the Showboat Dinner Theater. That was my first time on a real stage where you know, it was people other than my grandparents. So that, so it wasn't like in a school play, it was actually professional theater. Yeah, professional, I guess, at the showboat (laughs) dinner theater. (laughs) I don't think they paid us anything. I mean, they didn't pay me for sure. But yeah, it was working with a lot of adults and going, having to go to rehearsal, having to learn, um, you know, all of the things like tradition, learn all of the (laughs) musical numbers and dances. And, but that was my first, definitely my first time. Is it hard to describe how singing makes you feel? Because I know how I feel when I listen to you, that ferocious belt, that that gorgeous vibrato, you know, just, it's magical listening to you. Thank you so So much. So how does it make you feel when you sing? Uh, I think that when I sing, I, I can go to a different place. Uh, first of all, uh, the composers that write the music that I sing, I, I love telling stories and I love being that vessel that is, um, the one that tells the story to the audience. And so it's the lyrics that I, I look at first and the most. But then when I get to those notes where I can soar, it really is the closest I feel that I I get to to heaven, you know, that I get to now, you know, that my grandma's passed, I feel like it's the closest I, I get to her. Did she get to see you in uh, make your Broadway debut? Oh, everything. Everything except uh-huh. Hamilton because um, yeah. she lived a long time. She uh, she passed away on her birthday in uh, 2019 at uh, 97. So the, Hamilton was the only show that she did not get to see. Um But uh, she saw every show. And when she would come and see a show, you know, because she couldn't get around that well, she would sit from the matinee to the evening show in the house. And the ushers would always let her stay. And she would become friends with everybody. Everybody loved my grandma. And um, she just loved it. She loved being in the theater. She loved being a part of it. And she, uh, she loved going up and and going to the other actors and telling them how wonderful they were, even though sometimes she didn't recognize them because of her, you know, she couldn't see that great, but uh, she just, she loved people and she loved music. So anybody that did that, she wanted to, to kind of be around them. It's beautiful to see the dream realize yeah, here, absolutely. with her being fearless, which brings me to this, del- these delicious characters you've written in yes. your, the, your, your book, Fearless. Tell mm-hmm. me about what inspired this book. Oh, gosh. Um, so many things. I mean, I the library was kind of my sanctuary as, as a kid. And I, I think a lot of writers will say that. Um, you know, it was the place you could go for free. And my mom would take us every weekend uh, to the library. And, you know, you would get a library card. And you just felt so important. And then I remember my mom would, you know, drop my brother and I were a year apart, would drop us off um, in the kids section and she would go into the adult section and she would say, okay, pick anything you want. 
And I just remember feeling like anything I want, you know, and she said, well, you got to give it back. But, you know, having that moment of being able to pick a library book and having a whole new world open up to you, um, it was honestly uh, for my brother, too. It was our favorite place to be. And it still is uh, my local library where I live now. I, I'm constantly in there. Um, I mean, since the pandemic, it's not been easy, but uh, bookstores, because I always find um, a new story that I can delve into and my imagination can just be taken away, which I love. And what really inspired me is, you know, similar to the main character in my book, Monica Garcia, I had a love like like I was talking about of, of music and performing at a very young age. And I lucked out because I had a grandma who loved Broadway. And so she introduced me to that world and through, you know, cast albums and, and things that she could find that were tangible. And, um, and I remember constantly looking for characters and names that looked like mine. And I tell you, I didn't have a lot of luck. And it was so important for me to write this novel and to create stories so that young people can see themselves, to know that a life in the arts is possible. It is so empowering to see yourself in a story. And so that was really my my biggest inspiration um, in writing in writing this book. And then, you know, as as you know, going along, you know, um, all these treasures and people that I've met along the way, you know, I've been working on Broadway for the past 20 years and um, I've loved every moment of performing, but it's really um, the stories and the people along the way that are the biggest part of your journey. And so being able to share that um, in my own way with young people is, is super, uh, was so exciting. I'm, I'm in the midst of my second book right now of, of writing. So I'm kind of like still, um, you know, cause this is part of a series. Um, right now we're, I'm signed for two books with Simon and Schuster. I can't believe it. And, uh, and so, but now I'm, I, I'm keep, I keep going with these, with these stories that I love. So, um, but really that was my inspiration and, uh, I've, I just feel so lucky that that it's out there. I love Monica and I love her Thank connection you. to her abuelita. Yes, Did I abuelita. Uh -huh. Abuelita. And yes. and also how you bring us behind the scenes in a very unique way that oh, you really you. get an understanding of what happens you're behind the footlights. There's that delicious character, Jimmy Onions, who I thought, yes. oh, is he? <laughs> Tell us about because he's well, a Jimmy, legend. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Jimmy Onions is inspired um, by <laughs> Jimmy the Doorman over at the Richard Rogers Theater, who has been a part of my life. You know, when I started at the Richard Rogers uh, within the Heights, I can't remember what year we were there maybe 2006 we or maybe 2008 i can't remember uh when we started cuz we were doing off broadway and then the reading and all that stuff so sometimes my dates are wrong 
But I remember going with my mom and walking on Broadway and, and saying, hey, mom, because that's the thing when you start a new show um, that I got to put in the book. Can we just go and see um, the marquee or see the theater, you know, just to see that this is actually happening? And I remember my mom and I uh, were standing in front of the Richard Rogers for In the Heights and Jimmy uh, came outside and he said, you just want to come in? And I said, um, yeah, hi, I'm Mandy Gonzalez. I'm going to be in the show. And he goes, oh, I'm Jimmy, you know, and that's just who he is. Uh, he knows any everything about anything that's happening on Broadway. I mean, he's been working the door um, at the Richard Rogers. I think he started as an usher and then he's been working the door for since he was 15. So he is the eyes and ears of Broadway. So I had to um, I had to include him in this book. During Hamilton, I, you know, I asked his permission and I said, Jimmy, you know, I'm, I'm writing this book and I'd love to include you in the story. And would you be okay with that? And he's, he's his reaction is so great. He's always like, yeah, sure, sure. And uh, I was so happy because I, I went to see him after I did my audiobook in in the city. I was like, let me just go check out the theater and see if anybody's there. And sure enough, I rang the bell and it was Jimmy. And the crazy part is, is that he goes, you's got a package. He's like, you's got a package here. And I was like, what? I haven't been there in over a year. And he remembered that I had a package under all these other packages. And he was right. I did have a package there, but at that time we didn't have copies of the book. So I can't wait till I can go back into New York and, and hand him a copy. So I just, I'm so glad that, um, that young people are going to be able to fall, uh, in love with him as a friend, uh, just like we all do. Yeah. He's such a, an advocate for, for Monica. I mean, he's really in her corn. That's a, what's so beautiful is that she has all these, people who in her life who are really rooting for her and yes. her journey yes. and here she is brand new in New York and uh well that's one thing that you don't know um when you're coming to New York you know I moved to New York uh with a dream and I posted a picture of it recently on Instagram like with a dream and a pair of overalls because that's what I was wearing when I arrived you know in Times Square and um and I wear overalls a lot but uh you know I didn't know how to how to do it I had a dream and I was like I had um you know the training from from growing up but you know the thing that I didn't know was the family that I would build along the way, you know, not just my my husband and my daughter, but my theater family. You know, every show that I've been in, um, somebody has completely changed my life and with their friendship. And so that's the thing that I miss, I think, the most right now um, is walking down 8th Avenue and seeing friends that you haven't seen from all the different shows. But uh, the character Relly uh, is inspired by my best friend, Darrell Grand Moultrie, who started on Broadway with me in Aida. We were, um, he was a swing, I was a standby for Adina Menzel, and we were in the swing room together and we shared a mirror. And we became best friends by the looks that we would give each other in the mirror, by the things that people would say. And he has remained my my constant friend um, throughout, my best friend. And, you know, when I was 
when I was writing this, he had to be a part of it. And so it's kind of fun that we get to, uh, in so many ways that he gets to go on these adventures with me because he's always been right there with me in anything that I've done. And now, you know, he's done other Broadway shows since Aida. And now he's an acclaimed uh, choreographer working with uh, dance companies all around the world. And so um, for kids to see, to see that character, it, it brings me so much joy. That's so extraordinary. What for people who don't know, you were one of the harlots yes. singing with Bette Midler. Right? Yes. <laughs> Is that I how was. you? You once told me this amazing story about stay at the Plaza Hotel, which I love. I love that story. Um, is that when you were first in New York? Is that how you yes, first got to yes. New York? So I went to college in California. I wasn't really ready to leave home. I was very close to my family. And so I was like, well, I'll go. CalArts was in my um was in my town. And so I said, I'll I'll go there. And so that way I can live at home and, and still be with my parents. And then you know, when I was 15 years old, my grandma, um, I was with a different singing teacher that my grandma would drive me to. And that singing teacher connected me with an accompanist uh, because I was starting to, you know, perform songs and things like that. That accompanist, it turns out, was the um, vocal arranger for Bette Midler's backup singers. And that um, accompanist is named Bill Schneider, and he's still in Los Angeles. And when I was 15 years old, my grandma figured out how I would be able to perform my own show at the Cine Grill at the Roosevelt Hotel. And Bill Schneider um, was the one who helped me put that show together. So he has been a part of my life ever since. And when I was in college, my first year, Bill called and said, you know, Beth's looking for new um, new women for her, her show. Would you like to come and audition? And I, I said, yeah. And I didn't know that audition meant going to wait in line for three hours um, because it was for an open call. Like, so I went to the open call and I kept making the cuts. You know, I, I bought this really cute outfit from Capizio and I, you know, I had to dance and I had to sing and I had to sing all three parts I had to learn all three part harmony. And then I remember the second or third day of auditions, Bet came to that final audition and I had to kind of do a sing off with another singer. Um, we had to do like a high harmony on stay with me, baby, you know, Ooh. and I was like 19 and, uh, <laughs> and Bet goes, can you do it? You know, another a step higher. And I said, yeah, and I did it. And then she had the other woman do it too, and she couldn't do it. And so I got the job and uh, it completely changed my life because this, this kid that was always kind of afraid to leave home has lived the furthest, has, uh, has been the longest away from, from her family of, of all the, of all the kids in my family. And, uh, but that was the show that took me away. And we went to, um, New York and we played Madison Square Garden and we played the area, the tri-state area. And uh, Bet always put us up in the best. I remember uh, somebody from her band say, it'll never be like this again. So just so you know, <laughs> like not with Bet, but just other people you work for, like this is the top, you know, just appreciate it. And I'm so glad that he told me that because I mean, I would appreciate it anyway, but it really yeah. did make me appreciate what, um, how she treated us and how wonderful she was. Uh, but she put us up at the Plaza Hotel when it was still yeah. a hotel. Yeah. And I was just 
you know, this is where I want to be. And so I saved my money from that tour and I moved to, uh, I moved to New York and I moved to Brooklyn. I never stayed at the Plaza again. (laughs) (laughs) I hit the pavement and I, I went to open calls. I didn't have an agent and I was just like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my dream happen. And, uh, I worked really, really hard. So my first off off Broadway production um, happened. I was working two jobs. Uh, I was working at Dean and DeLuca in the basement, packing groceries for for wealthy people. Um, and at night, I worked at this restaurant called Rain East on the East Side. And in during the day, I would go to open calls. And I went to an open call for the Vineyard Theater for a show called Eli's Coming, based on the music of Laura Nero. And I ended up getting that job. And it really changed. That was another lightning strike. It, it really changed my life. The fact that they found me at that open call. And uh, I starred in that show opposite um, Anika Noni Rose, Judy Kuhn, Ronell Bay, uh, Wilson Jermaine Heredia, and uh, Diane Paulus was our director. And uh, so Doug Abel and Cindy Tolan, the casting directors uh, at the Vineyard Theater, they, they honestly changed my life. And that was my introduction to Broadway. And that happened about six months after I moved moved uh, after I moved here uh, from California. And then from there, uh, Disney Theatrical came to see that show. I won an Obie Award uh, for that show. And they cast me as the standby for, for Adina Menzel and Aida. And then from there, I did Dance of the Vampires. That didn't last too long. So then um, they... They asked me to come back to Aida, but this time to replace um, Adina and then um, to star opposite of Tony Braxton and Will Chase in Aida. So I did that. Then I went and I did Lennon on Broadway and uh, that didn't last too long. But in the midst of that, I met incredible people. We went to San Francisco. It was it was awesome. And then um, I was asked if I wanted to have a meeting with a young uh, new composer uh, who was writing a show about Latinos and it was going to be starring Latinos. And would I like to go meet the creative team in the basement of the drama bookshop? (laughs) And I had been to the drama bookshop. If you're an actor, if you're in the arts in New York, that's a place that you go as well as the New York public library. And, uh, and so I said, yeah. And I walked into the, the basement. I had known Alex Lacamoire from a, another project that I had done. And I met Tommy Kale and Lin-Manuel Miranda and Kiara Alegria Hudes. And I, that also changed my life because they said, oh yeah, like come do this reading for In the Heights and play Nina Rosario. And I did. And, and then I kept on with that show, you know, they were, they did a workshop and then uh, it went on to Broadway. Uh, and now, you know, when is it in June? I guess it's becoming a film that everybody's going to get to see. A whole new generation is going to fall in love with the music, and so um, you know that creative team has definitely played such a big part in in my life. Not just as uh, people that I work with, but like family, people that I just absolutely adore and love. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. What did you love about them? What did you love about Oh, Alex gosh. And I, I, and- well, the first time... Um, we did a reading of In the Heights. I remember Lynn standing up and saying, now I know you guys don't know any of the music, so I'm just going to sing all of it. And he started and it was like, lights up on Washington Heights up at the break of day. And I was like, who is this guy? And what is this? I've never heard anything like this before. I think that their ability to dream, uh, their loyalty and um, their artistry, I think that that's, those are the things that, and their humanity, I think those things all play a part in um, in their success, in their ability to create projects that um, that really can change the world. And I love how the the songs are so magical. And then with you yeah. say, you know, this and the song when I think of the song "Breathe" and you know what a special song that is. And weren't yeah. you involved early on in Hamilton? Yes, in I was. Yeah. I was. I was asked. Um, I had given birth to my daughter uh, about two months before Lynn was putting together um, a collection of songs at Lincoln Center. Um, like an evening of songs and he wanted to do some, some new songs from Hamilton mixtape at the time, I think it was going to be an album. And you know, when you get that call from Lin-Manuel and Alex Lackmore and they said, Hey, we're going to meet at Lack's apartment. Do you want to come and do it? I was like, absolutely. You know, I was, I was like breastfeeding and all those things, but I, I went to Bloomingdale's and cause none of my, my clothes fit at that time. And I bought a dress and I was like, I'm there. And I was the first person to sing, um, say no to this, with Lynn, uh, Mariah's song in the second act. And I just remember feeling like, well, first of all, I felt like I was home because I was with people that I adore. And I was also, uh, you know, sharing the stage with Chris Jackson and just so many of our friends that had been along the journey with us. And so that just felt so good. And, you know, and then when I saw Hamilton at the public with my husband, I mean, I was just in tears. I was like, this, they did it. This was incredible. And I, I remember when the show, when I first saw the show at the public and everybody would enter, like Chris made an entrance, you know, in that first song, Lynn made an entrance. I cheered at all the entrances because they were all my friends and people would give me the dirtiest looks like, who are you? And why are you cheering? And, and I just laugh now because at Hamilton, that's really how it is. People cheer for all of those characters now. And, uh, but at that time people were like, be quiet, this is serious. And, you know, but those are my friends. I was just so, so proud of them. What was it like to, to take over the role of Angelica? And what do you love about her? She's such a force. She is such she a is force. You're so, you're so right. Um, you know, she 
when I got the call from Tommy, which you never get um, those kind of calls when you're just asked to do a, a job, you don't have to audition. That was like, you know, I tried to play it cool. And I was like, uh, yes, absolutely, please. And uh, it was just so exciting. You know, Renee Elise Goldsberry, who is a Tony Award winner and a friend, she did such an incredible job um, being the first one to stand in that character. And so I was just so excited. I was so excited to, to be part of it and to be part of this journey at this time in America. And, uh, and I felt ready to be part of such a big, um, such a huge production, you know, um, and to be the, the big sister kind of of the company that, you know, younger company members who were just making their Broadway debut, um, that I, I was happy to be that person that people could come to, to, to ask for advice or to just talk. That was one of my favorite things. Um, whenever I would get to the theater during the day, you know, people coming into my dressing room and just telling me about their day and especially my, the women that played my sisters. Um, I miss that so much. And I know that, um, in my heart, I know it's going to be back and I know that it's going to be better than ever. I think so much theater and so much, um, art. I just have this feeling that there's just going to be this resurgence of art in the city. And I cannot wait for that. Um, you know, my husband is doing a show at Miles McEnery Gallery. My husband's a painter um, in September. And so I just feel like that's a good time for people to get out and, and see art and see what's been happening because artists have not stopped creating during this time. Um, you know, like you'd like this, even, you know, we've learned how to adapt and how to keep going. And yet what's kept you sane? What's kept you going? Oh gosh. During this time? The thing that's kept me, uh, sane, honestly, is my family. Uh, always. I think it's been very hard because I haven't been able to see my parents, uh, for over a year or my sister or brother, but we do a zoom call every Sunday, uh, to catch up, uh, and that's kept me sane. And then, you know, my husband and daughter, uh, my daughter has been homeschooled since uh, the pandemic started last March and has not her district has not been back to school. They're going to start this next week. But it's that it's having that responsibility of, OK, you this you need to wake up for your child and make sure that they are taken care of and everybody's safe. And um, and so I think that 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 has kept me sane. And, and I've enjoyed, um, I've looked, tried to look for the bright side of everything. And I've really enjoyed being able to have dinner with my family every night, um, during this time, because when you're an actor on Broadway, that's not a possibility <laughs> at all. So, um, I've enjoyed having that time together. And I love this movement you created fearless squad. Let's yes. talk about that hashtag fearless squad Absolutely. and what was born from that. Um, I mean, you have an album that was also in that vein based on your fearlessness right. and your parents. And but what what inspired hashtag fearless squad? Well, you know, when I first started on Broadway, I would get letters to the theater uh, from young people uh, as you did back then, snail mail. I would have time to write them back. And now with uh, social media, everything is so immediate. So, I, and I always have my DMs open. I've learned, I'm learning always. And people would write me, um, not just young people, but 
parents would write me and with feelings of loneliness and needing a place to belong. And I felt so blessed in my own life to have a fearless squad that I call my own. And so I said, if you don't have a fearless squad, you can be part of mine. And I put out a hashtag uh, and I called it fearless squad. And I had no idea that hundreds of thousands of people would want to be part of that from all over the world. And it really shows you the power of connection. It shows you how um, reaching out and connecting with somebody can change someone's life uh, for the better. And I had no idea that um, it would be me in the in the end that would need it the most, you know, I, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in, um, October of 2019. And I was very private about it at first, uh, as you know, as anybody that, um, has been diagnosed with an illness knows it's very personal. And I really came to, um, the fact that I, I wanted to be public about it, uh, because I, I continued to do the show. I continued. Um, I took a, a week off. Uh, I had, had had a lumpectomy and I took a week off to, to have that surgery. And then when I came back, I couldn't lift my arm for the work pose. And I asked my stage manager, I said, well, is it okay if I, if I just keep my arm down? And she goes, Mandy, you can lift your arm low and then medium. You just do what you can do. She was one of the only people I told. And then I decided um, in January when I started uh, chemotherapy, I had a hard time doing eight shows a week. You know, I'll be honest with you, I, I could do about five. Um, and it really saved me because I really wanted to feel a sense of normalcy during this process. I, I never wanted cancer to define me, but I also couldn't avoid that it was now part of my story. And I decided that I wanted to go public because I wanted to, my story, um, to help people, uh, to educate them, to let them know that they're not alone, uh, very similar to my message with Fearless Squad, and to let them know that um, this can happen to anyone. This happened at my first mammogram and mammograms getting tests tested is so, so important and early detection can really save your life. And so I decided to use my platform um, for good. And I think that that has been a constant in my life. It's, it's what I see from the example um, of the women in my life that have used um, the platform that they had with our family to, um, to do good in this world. And so I think that this is my part of my journey, but the fearless squad has been by my side through, through all of it, you know, and to have to go through treatment for breast cancer during a pandemic <laughs> was not easy. Um, it really sucked, but I made it, I made it through. And so I hope my story, um, and it's not just about, uh, you know, making it to the other side. And, you know, we all have different stages that we go through uh, when going through an illness, but it's about putting one foot in front of the other. And um, if I can do it, you can do it too. It's so beautiful, Mandy. Thank and you for sharing. My heart goes out to you and not to be so dramatic. And how extraordinary that you're encouraging women to get mammograms because I know you said that saved your life. 
It right? did. That you know, I went into the, I went into the, to the doctor. I had just turned 40 and my doctor said, well, there's no history of um, breast cancer in your family, but you're eligible to get a mammogram at this age. Is that something you want to do? It was a choice. And I was very lucky because I said, yes, I want to have a mammogram now. And, um, you know, it turned out that they found a, a tumor and, um, you know, I'm the first one in my family. And when I was filling out my genetic um, information for uh, the doctors, I realized that I had a lot of information on my mother's side. Um, that side is Jewish, Ashkenazi, and um, everybody kind of talked about different things, what they had had. And not that they weren't private, but you just knew. I knew what everybody had. But on my father's side, my Mexican side, I didn't know. Um, I had to call a lot of people and ask, um, has this happened to you? Or And to also let them know that this happened to me. Um, please let my primas know, my, my cousins know that this is possible. So make sure you get tested because Latinas, the Latinx community is so underrepresented in um, breast cancer research. So it's important that they know that this is very important. Um, it's very important for you to get a mammogram any way that you can. If you feel something that doesn't feel right and you're below the age that they say is eligible, I've now met friends that were diagnosed in their 20s, diagnosed in their 30s. You listen to your heart and you go in and get a mammogram. Because it can save your life. It doesn't mean right. it's the end. That's right. Can you, do you mind sharing that story about your parents meeting? I love that story yes. and how that inspired the beautiful song, Fearless, that Lynn wrote. My parents have been married now 50 years. Um, but my parents met as pen pals uh, during the Vietnam War. They grew up, uh, they both grew up in California. They grew up in very um, different kind of worlds, I would say, because uh, my father grew up uh, as a Mexican-American uh, in Northern California. Uh, his family came over from Mexico and they followed the crop. Uh, they were farm workers. I'm the proud granddaughter of farm workers. And um, that's why it was so important for me to include them. Uh, that story also in, in my book uh, that Monica Garcia's family um, are farm workers. But my Father's family uh, settled in Northern California because my abuelito got a job as a foreman. My mother grew up uh, Jewish American <laughs> in uh, the Valley of California, Southern California. And my father was drafted at 19 years old and drafted to Vietnam. And he was, you know, sent away from home for the first time, the first time on a plane, the first time away from his family um, to war. And my mother really wanted to join the Peace Corps. She was 17 and her parents said, no, absolutely not. And so she did the next best thing. She asked how she could help. And uh, there was a program where you could write letters to soldiers who maybe didn't have anybody writing to them. And my father was one of those people. And they corresponded throughout my father's service in Vietnam and then his service afterwards um, in uh the National Guard. And then when my dad went back to Northern California after his service, he got in his car and he drove to my mom's house <laughs> and he showed up on our doorstep. And my grandparents were like, what? Who is this? This this man? And my, my parents instantly fell in love, you know, and um, 
but because they were from different cultures, um, my Jewish uh, grandparents were not very uh, accepting of my father and um, that side of my culture. And um, because it was different and they were afraid, they didn't know, you know, but my mom said, this is who I want to be with. And um, they ended up eloping. And my mother, I remember she told me that she was like, I'm not going to go back and see my parents because they didn't accept us. I'm not going to I'm not going to go back. And my father said, um, as my father is a gentle person, he said, those are your parents and we're going back. And so I grew up never knowing any of this because like I grew up with a bubby. I grew up with an abuelita. Like I grew up with both sides of my family being very loving towards all of us. So I feel so lucky that they were brave to, to follow their heart, but also that, um, that they made, they changed, uh, the family by their love, you know, and yeah, they've been together almost 50 years. And then coming, that's incredible. And then coming full circle, your bubby is the one, right. That's uh, your mother's mother. Your maternal grandmother took you on all those auditions. Exactly. And my father, my father used to sing, uh, when he was younger, a teenager, oh. he was in a band called The Enchantments, which I think is such a great name. And he uh, stopped singing after he came back from the war. And then when he met my mother, he decided that he was going to sell his microphone and his amp because it was time he felt to to get a job. And this is what he want. The thing that he wanted the most was a family and my mother. And, and so, you know, Without him, though, I would never have this voice. You know, that definitely comes from him. How extraordinary. Where do you see yourself in five years? Is it hard to picture where you'd Um, love to be? I think like uh, all artists, I, I think it's very important that when you, for me, when I finish a project, I'm always looking to see what I can do next to what I can better myself at. So The thing that I would love to be doing, I think, in five years is creating stories and creating more stories and um, and building uh, projects uh, for young people, whether that be uh, through my books, whether that be on TV or television. Um, The thing that I think the thing that's been instilled in me from a a young age of um, I would love to see come to fruition in about five years. Mandy, it's been so wonderful to have you on the show. Always a treat to talk to you and inspiring. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you performing again live. I'll see you on 8th Avenue. I'll give give you the biggest hug. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. you Thank you. The theme song was written by Tom McGovern. This episode was edited by Kyle Moore, and the talent was booked by Anna Strauss. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.